Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. So it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Done. Thank you. Well, this evening we are having Samuel come and bring a word of encouragement. So guys, would you be super affirming, encouraging, wonderful as Sammy comes up? a strong room, yeah? Samuel, can we pray for you? I'd love that. Great. Let's pray. Would you reach out a hand to Samuel? Would you drop a prayer emoji in the chat? Like, let's cover Samuel right now. God, I thank you that you have called Samuel by name, that you know him and you love him and you desire to use him to encourage us this evening, to set us back in line with you. Would his words be full of your spirit? Would his encouragement speak to the situations that we're facing? And would he set the space, the temperature for us to meet and encounter you again afresh and to walk out bolder for it? In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks so much, Nye. How are we doing this evening? You doing okay? It is good to be with you. Um, if we haven't met before, my name is Samuel, and um, I have the privilege of being the head of youth here at St. Sounds fancy, uh, head of youth. It's not quite as fancy as it sounds. It basically means that I'm the guy that likes hanging out with teenagers, um, wherever you might be in Saint, uh, playing a lot of FIFA, uh, having a lot of conversations. But um, yeah, I love the young people of this church. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to come and speak to you tonight. If you're in the room here in Hackney or if you're watching online, good to see you too. Um, who watched the tennis today? Anyone? Anyone? I'm a huge fan of the tennis, and, um, but you'll be glad to know that I was diligently preparing for the talk this evening, so I missed it. That's how much I love you guys. But um, well done, Djokovic. Um, I, I don't want to be that guy. I actually wanted Kyrgios to win. Um, I don't know if that... I'm getting a few, like... Um, I actually wanted Kyrgios to win. I, I like a villain, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, like the, the bad guy, I, I kind of wanted him to win. But um, anyway, shout out Djokovic. Um, good lad. <laughs> I want to start tonight by asking you a question. What is the thing that you think about most? What is the thing, what are the things that you think about most? If you were to um, ask me that question, the first thing that I would say is just like 
I said a moment ago, I think a lot about tennis, and especially today. Um, I've been loving Wimbledon over the last couple of weeks, and not only do I watch a lot of tennis, I, I play a lot of tennis. It's, it's good fun. Uh, I play a place over in North London. We have a good time. I love that um, just moment of like working on a skill that you kind of like all your attention is on that one thing in that one moment. Um, I love my tennis. The other thing that I, I probably, that preoccupies a lot of my mind, and this might be a bit of a shock to you tonight, but I love finding a good deal. Like, I just love finding a good deal. Like, show me a coupon, show me a loyalty app, um, a, a reward scheme. Um, one of my favorite emails that comes into my inbox is when Uber Eats sends you through a 25% off voucher for your next 10 orders if you order with it. I'm getting a round of applause. Oh my goodness. I'm glad that I'm not alone. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I like finding a good deal. Uh, any purchase that I ever make, I will do like a research paper on that purchase. I'll go and find you four different options, four different websites, price um, comparisons. You get the gist. I like finding a good deal. Uh, another thing that feels a lot of my thought life, if I was honest with you, and I, I hope we can be vulnerable and honest in churches, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about what people think about me. It's real. It's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about. I wish it wasn't true, but it does. And if you, another thing that I could tell you that I think about a lot, and uh, I ask myself this question a lot is, is my life good? And I don't just mean like, is my life good in terms of like, have I got the great shoes on? Have I, have I got the best deal? Um, am I living in the right place? I don't just mean for me, but I, I existentially let you into a little secret. I existentially ask myself, like in the light of God, in the light of this gift of life that I've been given, am I making an impact? Am I making a positive difference to those around me? And especially that last thing, I wonder whether you might be the same in that category. Do you ask yourself that question? Like, am I making an impact? Am I a positive um, change agent in this world in which I live? Now, I, I reckon I don't have to go too far to assume that the majority of us in this room tonight are probably a millennial or a Zoomer. Uh, I, I heard recently that Zoom is the cool name for Gen Z, but anyway, um, you're probably a millennial or a Gen Z, and if you're in that case, then I know for sure that you care about the impact of your life. But while that is a thought that I often think about, it can also be a worry. It can also be a point of anxiety for us. You know, is this life that I'm living, are the, are the days that I'm, I'm doing my thing, is the job that I'm doing, am I loving my neighbor? Am I, am I making an impact? God, you know, am I, am I a blessing to you? Are you pleased? And tonight in the passage that we just read, I feel gives us a blueprint to a blessed life. I genuinely think that tonight I wanna quell our anxieties and I want to um, introduce us to a particular way that God wants to use our lives. That he wants to um, help us know for sure you are making an impact and that your life can be blessed. That scripture um, talks about the Lord our God, the Lord is one, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Today, I want to talk to you the title of my message is this, live for a legacy of love. Live for a legacy of love. 
Yesterday, I came back from my granddad's 90th birthday. Um, I've got a cute little family photo. Literally, yesterday, I was up north. Um, we've got the photo. Should just be below the slides. It's a good one, I promise. Took it yesterday. Oh, look, there you go. Look, there's the clan. Um, and my granddad, the stoic man right in the middle there, um, he, he turned 90 years of age. He, um, it was amazing. I went to buy him a birthday card, and it, like, it stopped at 80. <laughs> I was like, okay, the market has decided you were unlikely to make it to 90. Well done, Granddad Cross. But um, yeah, Granddad, he's, he's a great guy. He, um, he grew up uh, through the Second World War. He was a farmer. He owned a farm in the heart of Lancashire. This, well, I, was in, I was in Preston yesterday. And um, if you want to know where my obsession with getting a good deal comes from, it's from my granddad. Um, I vividly remember growing up what he would do. I'd always catch him with the newspaper cutting out the little McDonald's coupons that you could find, probably on page about five. And what he'd do is he'd store them in the cupboard in the kitchen for a rainy day. But one of the other amazing things that I received from my granddad was my 2005 Vauxhall Mariva. Get that picture on the screen. Wow. Look at that thing. I think the photo is perfect, like the little love balloon attached to the wing mirror. I don't really know why the love balloon's there, but hey. Um, this is a beautiful um, piece of technology. And uh, I'm really glad also that we're looking at Deuteronomy tonight because you will be glad to know that the car is called Moses. Why is the car called Moses? Because it's a living miracle. It should not be alive. Okay, this car is 17 years old, 120,000 miles, and it has flown through every MOT it's ever had to take. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm very glad for um, this portion of my granddad's legacy. You know it's a good legacy when it got handed down to me, about, I think it was about six years ago, and then when I moved to London three years ago, I handed it off to my sister. And my sister had it, and my brother-in-law drove the car. And then after a little while, they gave it to my other sister. And then they were about to get rid of the car. And I said, do you know, do not, don't you dare get rid of Moses the Mariva. I'll have it back. So like any good legacy, it gets handed down to one generation and then passed around the family. So granddad's car, the Vauxhall Mariva, if you ever want to, if you ever want to ride, um, lift home from church, don't worry about it. It's there. It's ready. But... Um, Granddad's car is great. I'm really grateful for it. <laughs> but Granddad's life, the impact of his life was far more powerful than just the, re the receiving of a Vauxhall Mariva, believe it or not. And this isn't a slight on the man, but not because he was a particularly, particularly <laughs> extraordinary guy, but because he was full of faithful love in the ordinary. See, he was a farmer, he was a teacher, but more importantly, granddad, 90 years old, is a faithful husband, a loving father, a grandfather to me, a great-grandfather to my nieces and nephew. I remember when he used to take care of me as a little boy, when my parents used to go um, away for work trips, he used to take me on holiday into his little caravan and teach me how to fill up the watering can that you need to do the watering, you get the gist in the caravan. I remember those days with fond, fond memory. 
but also he's the kind of guy that used to take out his best friend, not just to a next generation, but also to his friends. He used to take his best mate out to the local cafe every Saturday morning for 20 years in a row. And uh, I'm inspired by granddad. I'm inspired by his faithful love in the ordinary. And it got me thinking. You see, just like I encouraged us to think about at the, at the top end of this talk, if you're anything like me, you might spend your whole life thinking and chasing the extraordinary impact you could have out there somewhere. But at the very same time, miss the most profound opportunities to love others and make a difference here and now. I know that in my generation, in our generation, we can be paralyzed, paralyzed by a fear that, that says our life won't be good enough. We're not making enough impact. I haven't made it to those goals that I once set out. But I just don't think a good, blessed, purposeful life is that hard to find. You don't have to go searching the world or searching your imagination for a sense of meaning or purpose. Our passage tonight sets forth to us the fact that our impact can begin right here with the people on your left and on your right and for the generation to come. Now, some of us in this room are significantly talented and far more talented than me. And yes, your legacy might be to go on and cure a global disease. Please. But some of us got a C in GCSE biology. So what am I meant to do? Does that mean that my life can't have an impact? Tonight I want to convince some and I want to comfort others that your life is unbelievably powerful here and now. The legacy, the ripple effect of your life is in motion. And God has called you to make a difference in the most beautifully ordinary ways. He is calling you to live for a legacy of love. So according to Deuteronomy 6, we're going to work on that legacy really quickly. And the first step of making a good legacy is to ask yourself the question, what is in your will? What is in your will? What is in the will that you are going to hand on to the generations to come to the people around you. Verse five says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What's in your will? One of the most impactful people in my life growing up was a lady called Haley. Haley was an amazing um, woman when I was 16. She was probably in her 40s, a mother of three. And she was the worship leader at our little Salvation Army church in Woodgreen. Shout out North London, who um, is from North London in the room. Praise God. Um, Haley, we love Haley. And she was the worship leader. And um, by that point, about 16 years of age, I'd gotten quite good at the guitar. Um, it coincided with my revision for my GCSEs. Um, this is why I got a C in GCSE biology, but I did come out with it with a bit of guitar technique. Um, I could play a bit of guitar, and Haley saw that I was getting a bit restless, kind of, you know, in and out of church, and she said, Samuel, come and join the worship band. And so I did. I went along with my guitar and my capo and uh, the key of G, and I played my little heart out. 
and I'd, I'd play every single week. Not always necessarily because I wanted to. You see, what Haley would do is every single Thursday night, she would come to the front door of my house, knock on it, and say, Samuel, I'm taking you to worship band practice. Every single Thursday night, she'd come. And uh, some days I'd be like, yeah, I'm up for it, Haley. And then other days I'd be like, Haley, you'd never guess the game that just dropped on the Xbox these days. Like, you, you wouldn't believe it, Haley. And uh, she'd say, I don't care. And she'd like literally like grab me by the scruff of my neck and she'd like throw me in the car and um, she'd take me down to worship practice every single Thursday night for two years. I remember she'd finished the, the opening prayer of our worship practice with God is good all the time and all the time God is good. That's when you know it. <laughs> Naomi, you've been in church a little while. Um, and... It was on those Thursday nights as a late teen that I really think I became the guy that I am today. See, if it wasn't for those little late Thursday nights worship band as a 16-year-old, I probably wouldn't have got very good at the guitar. And if it wasn't for getting good at the guitar, I probably wouldn't have stuck around in a worship team. And if I hadn't stuck around in the worship team, I probably wouldn't have been in church for that much longer. And if it wasn't for that kind of sense of calling and vocation in worship ministry, I definitely wouldn't have done my internship studying. I wouldn't have done my theology degree. There's no way I would have become a youth pastor. I think about those moments as a late teenager and the influence of Haley on my life. And I think, wow, look how far I've come today because of the faithful obedience and consistency of a woman called Haley. And Haley, she loved God. She loved God. But she didn't preach to me on the car. It wasn't like the journey to and from worship band practice was a conversation about the 10 points of the doctrine of the divinity of Christ. That wasn't quite the way she went about her showing me of her faith. But what she did do in her actions and in the love that was written upon her heart, she taught me what it looked like to love God in faithfulness to young people, young bucks like Samuel Taylor. She taught me what it looked like to live a life of consistency. She showed me the priority, the beauty, and the potential of the local church in all of its fullness. She showed me a love for worship, and in my story, she showed me the beautiful connection and relationship that I could have with God through music. She showed me what forgiveness and grace looked like when I showed up on a Sunday morning to play drums smelling of a WKD from my house party the night before. <laughs> and it was Haley's love for God that shone throughout her whole life. Her legacy, her will was so clear. And my question to you tonight so simply is this, what is in your will? What is in the will of your life that you are looking to hand on to the generation to come, to the people around you. And I'm not being coy, I'm not being like cliche about this, but I am so grateful for family, for friends, for people like Haley who handed down their faith, their love for God to me. There's nothing that I'm more grateful for standing here today for an introduction to the God who is love. Now, of course, there is cultural baggage that we have to wade through. Of course, the church is not perfect. What kind of family doesn't have arguments with one another? But yes, I am still unbelievably grateful that I was introduced to a God who loves me, 
who saves that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, who says that my life is on purpose, who forgives my sins, who holds me in my darkest moments. Yes, I'm grateful for that legacy, for that will of the love of God that Haley had in her life and transmitted itself to me. C.S. Lewis says this, God is not just one more object in our lives, like a phone, like a book, like a cup of coffee. He's not just one more object. He is like the lens through which we see everything else. God is like the lens through which we see the rest of our lives. So what is written on our hearts is obvious for all to see. That might be really encouraging, that might be really scary, (laughs) but it's true. What is written on our hearts is obvious for all to see. If God, the love of God, is just another object in our lives, at worst case scenario, it will just be another cultural continuation of a man-made religious identity. But if the love of God in our lives is the lens by which we see everything, if, it, if the love of God is written on our hearts like Deuteronomy tells us, then our lives provide the foundation for others to build their own identity and future on the love of God for them. So tonight, my simple question is what's in your will? What do you want to transmit? What do you want to hand down to the generations and the people to come? The second question, when you're forming your legacy, is this, who's your next of kin? Who's your next of kin? Verse seven in that Deuteronomy passage says, you shall teach them diligently, you shall teach them the commands diligently to your children. The Christian faith is inherited. It's a story that comes from somewhere else. And you might even be in this room tonight and you might say, I'm not even a Christian. I'm exploring this Christian faith. I'm not really sure who Jesus is. But I can tell you for sure that there was someone who invited you here this evening and that maybe even if they didn't invite you, there was someone who provoked you and gave you enough interest to be here tonight. This passage suggests that there is a generational mandate upon us to hand the faith to the generations to come. In Psalm 145 verses 4, it says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And in this passage, it definitely speaks 100%. The context of the passage is to children and biological children. So we find ourselves in Deuteronomy. Genesis, God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to make of you a nation and you're going to have descendants that are as many as the stars in the sky. God continues his faithfulness to this people Israel into Exodus. They find themselves in slavery. They're in a really bad way under the rule of Pharaoh and the Egyptian empire. And Jesus liberates them from slavery, continuing his faithfulness to them. Through Leviticus, we find out more about God's plan for their life. And then finally, into Deuteronomy. Into Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, what we have here is Moses' legacy to the people of Israel. These are his final words to the people before they go into the promised land. Moses isn't going to follow him there, but he's laying out for them their future 
the charge of them to hand it on to the generations to come. It's literally a people group from children to children. And uh, many of us in this room um, probably aren't parents. You probably don't have children at this point, um, but you might do. There might be some parents. If, you, if you're a parent in, in here, why don't you raise your hand? We've got, we've got two, three, four. Great. Um, it's amazing. And um, what a privilege it is of us to be parents, to, to raise our children in the faith. But the New Testament gives us an extra lens on which to view this passage. You see, in the New Testament, the church is now our family. The people on your left and right are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus says, who are my brothers and sisters? It's those who do the will of our Father in heaven. So another question to you today, if you want to make a difference, if you want to have an impact, can I encourage you? You don't need to climb a ladder. You don't need to be top of your class or on top of your game. Why don't you just become a father or a mother to someone in this room? You can maybe even be an uncle or an aunt if that takes your fancy a little bit more. (laughs) It still takes a village to raise a child. I hope some of the stories that I've shared with you this evening show you the importance of having people who have gone before us and the influence they have on who we are today. And my encouragement to us tonight is, would you be one of those people? Would you be one of those people who becomes a spiritual father or mother to someone in our church community today? Could you care and guide young people in our church? Could you introduce them to the love of God? Could you guide them in their lives? Could you make a tangible difference and help change the trajectory of little people's lives in this church? Teach diligently the faith to your children. We have a youth, and that's literally what I, this is what me and Greg and so and Pete and Harry and so many of the volunteers in this room today are, are going after in our, in our youth ministry. We're desperately taking children in this church and we're saying, we care about you. We care about your teenage lives. We want to raise you in the faith. We want, to, we want to see a hope and a future mapped out for you. And we want to help you get there. And I wonder what it would look like for us as a congregation to leverage our lives on behalf of the next generation. What would it look like? Can you imagine the potential that sat in this room and that potential therefore grafted alongside the lives of young people in our church and in our families and beyond? I think about one of my good friends in our church, Tasha Dersma, who is an incredible videographer. And I think about what would it look like for Tasha, who makes amazing films for some of the biggest companies in the world? What would it look like for her to come alongside five young people in Hackney who have a passion for filmmaking, what would it look like to hand on the legacy of faith, not only of faith, but of opportunity and a flourishing life for teenagers in the place that we live? What would it look like for us to hand on the faith, to teach diligently the life and fullness of Jesus Christ to the young people who come after us? I remember growing up in church, we used to have this mantra. You know, um, in the New Testament, Paul and Timothy, we used, to, um, we used to go around saying, like, who's your Timothy? 
Who's the person that you're raising up? Who's the person that you're bringing along on the journey of faith? And then finally, after you've, um, after you've uh, set your will, you've chosen your kin, and as we come into land and maybe the worship band wanna come and join us, join me. The final thing that you wanna do in your legacy is you wanna inform the recipients. <laughs> inform the recipients. You see, the best legacies, they get discussed way before they come into action. This is a live issue for me and my family right now. God bless granddad, he's 90 years old. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a live issue because they're literally right now on the phone discussing their will. And uh, I'm really grateful that, um, that granddad and grandma are taking the opportunity to talk to their children about their will before they, um, you know, pass away. Crucially, it's the conversation now. Nye's giving me some crazy look down here. But, um, <laughs> crucially, it's the conversation now that's, that's ensuring a smooth transition, a smooth and, and, and good legacy. In the same way, we, the will that we're building, the kin that we have adopted, we want to hand on that legacy, but we want to talk about it now. The final verses of that chapter Say, talk about them, the commandments, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Basically, talk about it now. The legacy, the will that you're wanting to hand on to the next generation. Talk about it often. We're forgetful people. We need reminders. The lens of the love of God needs to consistently be cleaned wiped, bring back into focus in our lives. We're people who forget we need the reminder, the formation of talking about this faith, about the gospel of Jesus. Talk about it openly. Talk about it openly. It, you don't have to be, be shy about our faith. Like God is good. People are desperate for good news. Make it on the tip of your tongue. People are looking for hope and we have the hope of the love of God. And then finally, just talk about it normally. I reckon some of the most powerful experiences that I've had of learning about my faith from those that have gone before me are just the conversations that happen in between. Love church, love moments of worship, love the kind of intentionality of a Bible study but also just the conversations that I've had in the car with my family and with my friends. The, the everyday conversations about faith, bringing faith into our everyday life is an incredible way of handing it on and of making it stick. So I just encourage you tonight to make a difference to the people around you, the generations to come, to live your life for a legacy of love. Live your life for a legacy of love. It's incredibly powerful. You have the opportunity to change the trajectory of people's lives. You have the opportunity to see young people held, guided, and brought through to lives of fullnesses on your watch. And you've got people around you who are watching you who are looking for hope and you might be the person to share that with them.
live for a legacy of love. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.